We have two choices, organized religion or disorganized religion. One of them is salvific and one of them is not. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Logos Podcast. This is Max. This is Joey. And on today's episode, we've got a special guest to talk about our topic of the day, which is religion, or better said, the religious nature of man. Father Kyle Tennant, what's up? Good to see you guys. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, man. I haven't seen you in a long time. Yeah, it's been good. I'm just kidding. Father Kyle Tennant, who are you? Who am I? Yeah. What, what are who you? Who am I? That's a great question. Uh, I am a Catholic priest. I have been a priest for almost five years, which means that I'm just past the point. So when you, when you first get ordained, you feel like you know everything. Then you have that panic attack where you feel like you don't know anything. But now I'm just at the point where I'm like, okay, I might know something. So you that's know some nice. stuff. Yeah. You no, don't know something, I, I might know something. One or two things. So which is great. Nice. So That's so, good. Yes. Um, both Max and I have had the pleasure of being assigned to a parish with you. Pleasure. Don't speak for don't speak for me. I have had the pleasure <laughs> of being assigned to a parish with you. Thank which you, I very Joey. Much enjoyed. I appreciate that. I don't know what that. Max's experience has been like. <laughs> I great. appreciate that greatly. Um, you're at his parish right now, right I on am. the weekends. It's true. So you guys hang out on the weekends. I don't know what you do. Party. Mostly, I just try to keep my dog from jumping on him. Oh, which you might have seen the main the, thing. You might have seen Goose on our social media. He's not a goose, though. He's not a goose. He's a dog. A dog named Goose. That's right. That's right. That's right. Just because you from... call it something doesn't mean it doesn't make it that thing. Good <laughs> distinction. That's a conversation for another episode. <laughs> Note that one. <laughs> Put it down. Why yeah. is he named Goose? Uh, he's an Australian Shepherd, and okay. when I imagined having a dog, I wanted a dog that was like outdoorsy and like you know go on runs and hikes and things like that. So when I was thinking of a name, I was like, well, I, you know, maybe like an animal name, right? Like bear. Moose, how about dog? Like that. And uh, you didn't think of dog? No, I thought I thought I thought a, a bear or a moose would have been great. So, so I said, okay, well, but, oh, but I like I kind of like the name Goose. And then I thought if I taught him to speak, I could say, talk to me, Goose. So that was that was kind of the clincher. And like, it's the gift that keeps on giving. You know, he's a silly goose. You know, uh, he has two duck chew toys. So oh. it's just, I mean, it's just fantastic. It just these so things I, write themselves. I recently. <laughs> was looking up the address of your parish because I wanted to send some ordination invitations to the people in the office staff. Sure. And so I logged onto your parish page and I go to the faculty <laughs> or the staff and I, I'm scrolling down. I'm like, and the it last is. person listed on there is not a person. No, nope. it's no, a goose. It's a goose. It's dog. It's, he's the chief canine officer. The funniest part about that is I can't our, believe that. He's like our smiling bit, too. He's like, yeah. Oh, it's a great, oh, he's very photogenic. He's like, he's got this like feathery, like, you know, it's like the, he's like a, like he's a windswept or something. Yeah. He's but our dog. business manager actually put that on there without telling anybody. She was just waiting to see when people would notice, which was, the, that was the best thing. Well, Goose is so, a beautiful dog and he, he was is. in here he and is. now we have Father Cow Tenant. We don't, although Goose, I think knows philosophy. So I chatted with him a little bit and uh, he, you got that dog in you. You speak dog a little oh bit. My gosh. Oh my gosh. Except that dog wasn't religious. Um, not properly speaking. At least. No, not properly speaking. No. It doesn't no. pray yet. He does know how to genuflect. He knows how to genuflect, right. but you know what it is to be a religious being. Is that true? Right. Well, I, I think I'm, I'm, like I say, I might know something about it. Okay. Not so, everything. That not was everything. Max's attempt at transitioning into our topic for right. the day. Well, I mean, before, good. before we do that, like, should we pray or are you guys religious, but not spiritual? <laughs> That's a great question. I identify as spiritual and religious, but Joey, I don't know. I don't want to speak for you. I don't like to be placed in a box. So if you guys try, stop trying to categorize me like That's that. That's fair. Fair enough. So are you okay with Father? I suppose Tenet? if you want to impose your religion upon me right now, we can pray. Yes, I would love to do that. All right. It's probably a good idea. That's how religion works best. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same Spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I guess that was fine. Okay. You did okay, man? Good. Thank you for humoring me. Speaking of praying, we're going to be talking today about religion Mm. in general. Um, We wanted to talk about this. Why, Max? Why, Father Kyle? Well, Father Kyle, you answered that question because you kind of proposed this this topic to us when we thought about having you on as a guest. Uh, Well, um... I, I think it's it's a very it's a very important topic for us to think about. I think it's it's a topic that's, despite how many people would protest today that they aren't religious or that uh, they're anti-religious or anything like that, they like the the conceptualization that we have today about religion um, might be a little bit, um, I guess maybe inaccurate in some ways, or at least it's not fully um, open to the the reality of, of what, who we are as human beings and what we tend to do. Mm. And I think that to say that, Hey Joey, we can't, was, well, okay. Just, we can't, <laughs> we can't be mm, at the same time. <laughs> next like, to each other. I bro. Unacceptable. Because right? if you do that, <laughs> you're, you're getting out of here is what's going on. <laughs> I love it. Logos podcast coming at you live and in stereo. Mm, you know, oh, fantastic. <laughs> okay, anyway, um, oh so, so I think as we as we continue today to really struggle with um, very fundamental questions about um, human beings, human nature, uh, what it means to be human, um, losing sight of the innate religiosity that is. Um, really built into us. And whether you see that as um, something that's imparted to us by a creator or something that just sort of goes along with being a, a, a creature, uh, uh, an, an animal of, of higher mm-hmm. cognitive function. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. what it, what it means to be religious um, there's the, when you, when you really take it for what it is, Everybody is religious. Right. So people typically associate religion with institutions. I mean, instantly you say religion, you say you're religious, you're a priest. Instantly the association is, oh, he's a part of this he, system. He goes to church. He goes to church, to yeah. Or right. something like that. And they have a boss and they have an office and they do these things. And mm-hmm. somehow their system is something I'm supposed to take up and live in. Right. And people don't really like that, right? Yeah. I mean, especially in America and in our individualist society, people like... Well, individuality, freedom, not being constrained by rules and institutions. And so people often you'll hear them say, Mm -hmm. I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, Mm -hmm. right? Like I recognize that something, there's a higher power or something like that, but I don't want to be hampered by structure, by um, hierarchy of any kind. Right. Father, you work with high schoolers. I know I do. You're, a high, you're a high school chaplain. I'm wondering to what degree you see that attitude present in the high school that you work in or or even just in your ministry in general. Yeah, it's I think there's there's a couple of things to that. There's there I have met a number of people in my ministry. Mm-hmm. Even people who you know would say 
they're Catholic. Yeah. That that say, oh, you know, I'm you know I'm Catholic and I believe in God, but I don't I don't really need to go to church. Yeah. Right. I, I get, we we're kind of doing our own thing. Like God God knows I love him and I pray and whatever. And it's like okay, that's great. I'm I'm glad that you're like you know, it's incredible to meet the first person in all of human existence that God made an exception for. Like this, <laughs> the rest of us have had to go to synagogue How and church and everything. You know, since uh, God st- first started working with. Abraham, but like, this is incredible. (laughs) Fantastic. Good for you. Let me know how that works out. Um, But you also have, I think, especially in the young people, it's not so much with when you're, and when you're talking like, like the, the, not the very, very young, but high school ish age and probably now getting into the college age crowd, although I'm less, less familiar with them. You're super old. I'm so old. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that a lot of them are, not religious because there has they they haven't grown up in the same sort of religious framework in the family that others have right mm-hmm. and so i think that's i think that's a lot like a big part of it that i see is like you you know you try to get the kids to see the importance of prayer and going to church but if their parents are not doing that then that's it's hard to it's hard for them to see like well why does that if that's not part of my life like I always tell people you know when I was growing up uh, my family were very normal Catholics right yeah. we we went to mass on Sundays and holy days of obligation uh, we prayed before meals my, you know I would say my nightly prayers when my parents would tuck me in and but and it was all just very natural yeah and sure. it was just there right it wasn't it wasn't something like um, you know I didn't really know anything much too much about something like a Eucharistic adoration for example until later and so I think that but I do know very well that the first time, the first thing my mom would do when we would, if we were going on vacation somewhere, we'd check into the hotel. The first thing she would do is, and this is how old I am. She would pull out the phone book oh, man. Out, of, <laughs> out, of the, out of the, out of the, out of the nightstand and look up the nearest Catholic church and what time they had mass on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, so because I think the, the, as we'll get into, you know, the religion as a response to values, when those values are sort of, inculcated and expressed for you as a child growing up in the family yeah in the family context then they become part of your own they become you natural know, value You're structure not as opposed to religion right. right whereas a lot of a lot of it is you know well you know yeah we'll go to church sometimes but not if the game's on you know yeah. not if not if there's a basketball tournament not if you know I not if there's night. a not if there's a yeah. cheerleading competition you know or yeah i part you know not this weekend we did, we've done too much we'll go again, pick it up again next week or whatever it is yeah so your contention however which is i find interesting so let's say so there's there are some people like you who they grew up in a, a family environment in which religion was kind of natural. It was a part of their life. And so they're not as allergic to this kind of idea of religion mm-hmm. as although some of those kids still end up allergic to religion. It's true. Um, but for the vast majority of people, I think today in American secular society, they grow up without this experience in their life. And so they, they develop this, this allergy that there's a negative connotation to the term religion. Right. And so what they end up saying is things like I'm not religious. Right. But your contention at the beginning of this episode, father was that actually that's not possible. (laughs) Actually it's not possible to not be religious. Right. Exactly. Can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And I think I want to acknowledge, I think, I think it's important to acknowledge at the outset, two things. First of all, that some people's allergy to religion is because of something very, very terrible happened to them at the hands of a quote unquote religious figure. That's yeah. true, right? And yeah. we have to acknowledge that and, and, um, and say that that's, that's evil mm-hmm. uh, and that should not have happened. And it's, uh, it's a great injustice, yeah. um, that anybody had to experience anything like that. <clears throat> and so it's in, in, you know, in that sense, it is maybe understandable, understandable for right? sure. Yeah. 
and and our hearts go out to anybody who's who's been affected um, in such a uh, such a uh, tragic way. The other thing is that um, you know I'm. I, very, I try very hard not to think about these things polemically in terms of like, well, this is the right thing to believe and this is the wrong. And, and it's just, and I, so what I don't want is for this episode to just become like my own airing of grievances about, mm-hmm. you know, the, the errors that are out of the day. Or, or a having, bipolarization you know, of you're right. not religious, you are religious. Right. Because what we're going to argue is that everybody's religious. Right. right? Exactly. exactly. So, so what is, <clears throat> what is religion? Um, I think it's a it's a really big question uh and i am i'm something of an armchair philosopher um and really i'm more of a recovering engineer um i studied engineering at university of notre dame uh before i went to seminary which notre dame used to be our lady's favorite university once upon a time but um so and i also have to say thank you both very much for in your podcast on leisure just absolutely dumping on everything that i am as a person with you know engineers they're just trying to make money but somebody you who is in the liberal the arts is just yeah so, can i just well, also I am, can so also just fine. i'm not going to apologize to you but i am going to say <laughs> say this your type of people i hate the most <laughs> i was thinking specifically of you exactly. <laughs> that's totally fair okay if we think about religion first let's back up and think about okay what does it mean to worship so we human beings have this and, and again this is something that Every human being experiences, whether you source it in creation by a creator or you source it as, you know, the, the result of the cognitive processes of a, of a higher ape, I guess, mm. we sense value around us, right? There are, there are things that are good and human beings uniquely are capable of ordering those goods in certain ways. So like, for example, my dog goose, bless his heart. He's, I mean, he's, he's really, he's really fit. He's in great shape for a dog. If he was ever overweight, he wouldn't think to himself, Oh, I better not eat all of my food. I need to kind of watch that. Right. So he wouldn't be able to subjugate his desire to eat with his desire for health. Both of those things are good. Food is good. Health is good, but he wouldn't be able to subordinate. I think that's the word I meant. Mm his desire to eat with his desire to be fit, right? He was not, he would not be able to capable of truly sacrificing one kind of good for another. So human beings are able to do that. We're able to say, no, this is, um, you know, we just started the, the Lenten fast ourselves yeah. in the, in the Catholic world. So, you know, I'm for the good, uh, because of the good of Ash Wednesday, because of the discipline that the church gives me, I'm going to fast and abstain from meat for this day, mm-hmm. right? We are capable of doing those things. So because we are capable not only of perceiving value, but also of putting it in a hierarchy of ordering it, Mm -hmm. by definition, there's going to be a value at the top of that hierarchy, right? There's the one thing that we order everything else around. And if it is a truly supreme good, then it will never lose that spot, right? It's always going to be the top thing that I'm going to be striving for. Or that I that I that I order and and subordinate all the other goods in my life around that one thing. Fair That's right. what we mean by worship. Yeah, worship. What is the one thing that is worth most of my time and attention, around which everything else in my life is organized? Okay, now. Please. Yeah. So exactly. So it's not just that human beings have the capacity to worship to hierarchically order these values and then pursue some of them above others. It's that we cannot 
help but do that. It's like exactly. to get out of bed in the morning, you have to have a reason to pursue some good other than the good of staying in bed and the comfort, right? Like Absolutely. every action that we take is based on our assessment of the goods that we're perceiving and our hierarchical ordering of those goods and then our pursuit of certain ones to the exclusion of others. Exactly. Hmm. So, and I think, I think an important categorization here that father's making that I just want to kind of hamper down on and, 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 and flesh out a little more, uh, <clears throat> the example of, of goose, right? Uh, subordinating I'm so passions. glad we're bringing him up in this podcast. You know, that brings my heart such joy. Right. Or any of us. He's for getting that a matter. lot of attention this he podcast. He is. Though. Way too much, I would say, even. He might become prideful, but he can't because he's a dog. That's, That's right. not the point. We all do this. We all build value systems. We all place things at the highest value by which our passions, our mind, and our hearts elevate themselves towards that thing. And one of the examples that comes to mind, for example, is Exodus when the Israelites build a golden calf. Right. Right. Um, sometimes we think it's PG 13. It's biblical. It's not that ugly. It's really just, they're just dancing around the calf. Right. Here's the thing. They build the golden calf, right? After having been freed from the oppression of Egypt, mm-hmm. going into the desert, and then they erect an idol of which they worship and which they engage in all kinds of, let's say inappropriate acts. So as to give alms to this thing, first of all, they create the thing with the gold and the treasures and their efforts and minds and hearts that they have. Right. But then they enter into all kinds of acts that help express that religious nature in them Mm -hmm. because they hold this thing, this false God as their highest good. Mm -hmm. And so express, I think on a more extreme level, that's what can happen. And it's, it's interesting, especially when you consider what's going on simultaneously on top of the mountain. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm the giving of the law, the 10 commandments. And while God is telling Moses, you shall not have strange gods before me. You shall not erect idols for yourselves. That's exactly what's happening simultaneously at the bottom of the mountain. And if, if you think about this episode, I mean, this is the handing of the law to Moses, the great lawgiver. This is the establishing of the covenant. This is the wedding day between God and his newly freed people, Mm -hmm. Israel, and they are cheating on him on his wedding day. Yeah. Like that, like the idea. And so the idea that, you know, why I, I don't really need religion. I just want to be a good person on my own. Well, apparently there's a little bit of structure and guidance that's necessary to order this tendency that we have to something that is actually good for us. And that is not going to end up being um, either a facsimile or a perversion or, uh, you know, just a, 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 a false outlet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or in, in order to actually like impart meaning to our lives. And that's the other thing about value. When I perceive these values and I try to find this, okay, what's this one thing that's at the top of the top of the you know top of the totem pole for mm-hmm. me, right? First of all, how do I attain union with that thing? That's religion. We'll come back to that in just a second. Yeah, but that, but then when I when I when I think about how am I going to attain union with that thing? Now that thing has given my life meaning. There is a narrative now to my life. There is a lens through which I can understand everything that happens to me, everything that's going on in the world. And the idea of this one thing being the supreme good, well, it would seem to suggest that I at least tacitly um, acknowledge that the world exists for the sake of this thing. And we can, the point is we cannot help but do that. So like the reason the Israelites build the golden calf is because 
Moses is up on the mountain with God and they can't see God, but they need something to orient themselves towards, right? So what we're saying is that we as human beings, even if we're not as in a part of a, a structured religion, like we cannot function without a narrative lens through which to view our lives that gives our lives meaning and without a highest good that we are pursuing. And what I think the point the father is making is that even if you don't go to church, mm-hmm. even if you don't go to the synagogue or the mosque, you cannot help as a human being, but to do that, but to have something at the highest value in your life and to pursue it. Even if you haven't explicitly defined what that thing is, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are, Correct. you know, I think things shift in and out of that highest spot in their life and they get their, their, uh, governed by their whims and their spontaneous desires. And so they start pursuing things that they don't even know why they're pursuing them necessarily. Um, but, but the, but everyone does it. Yeah, we all mm. do. And that yeah. is worship. I mean, even right. if you're not on your knees in a church building, that is right. you're worshiping whatever you're pursuing as the highest. Let me just make one small point, Father, and then I'll hand it over to sure. you. And, and there's a there's a reciprocal nature with this kind of structuring of value, right? So on the one hand, we hold something in the highest regard as right. the highest value, but in doing so, that thing also gives us meaning. Yes. Or at least we hold it in regard so as to give us meaning. Mm-hmm. So there's something almost existential happening in, in the building up, in the leveling up of this one highest good or higher higher goods that we place. Right. And I, and I think that's super important. Because the fundamental question of every human person is, well, what, what do I mean? Mm-hmm. And so if I find this one thing that's going to organize my life, well, then I find meaning for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. So we, we talked at the beginning, you guys were bringing up, you know, the, the kind of the... Um, allergy to religion. I yeah, like that. Yeah. I like that phrase, Joey. So if you if we talk Thank about you. religion as like you're very welcome, as like you know an ordered system of rights and practices, right? Um, that govern uh, a relationship with the supernatural world or with God, which is what most people think. Which is what most people think, think it is. Then no, not every person is religious. But if religion is the particular set of beliefs that we hold in order to give our lives meaning, that everybody is religious. Then, in that sense, right? yeah. And the thing, and the thing that's that's another aspect of this that I think is really critical to the nature of religion itself is the fact that religion is not it's not irrational, and it's not merely rational. It's super rational. Unpack right. that a little bit. Before so, I right, that, yeah. right, absolutely. So, <clears throat> if you ask a married person, "Why did you marry your spouse?" Well. Uh, They might say, well, um, they're really funny, uh, they're really smart, they tell great jokes, um, but they they acknowledge me and uh, they're my best friend, Um, I'm really attracted to them, Um, we we we, uh, really enjoy spending time together. You know, they'll give you, (laughs) excuse me, a list of reasons why I married this person. Good reasons. Good reasons even, yeah. Mm -hmm. But at a certain, at a certain point, you didn't marry them only for those reasons. Because if you found that same list of reasons in somebody else, well, then you would just, or, and even to a especially if there was to a greater extent, somebody was even funnier, even uh, more intelligent or more attractive or whatever it is that, that brought you to that person in the first place. Mm-hmm. Well, then you would just, you know, that relationship would, you would walk away from the one to pursue the other, but there's something about this person, something unique about them that you've, that your heart and your mind respond to in such a way that it's like this one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So you take a step beyond the rational into the super rational. So the thing about this, about religion is that, you know, there's this personal commitment 
to um, beliefs and 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 even dogmas, either from a uh, an organized religious perspective or a disorganized one, that you don't sort of logic yourself to. Mm. You just you believe them. You take them sort of on faith. Yeah. They're handed down in this sense. And this you. is true mm-hmm. even of the scientific materialistic atheist who thinks that he's not a religious person. Exactly. He is pursuing some highest value in his life. Right. And in order to pursue that value, he's he's taking certain things on faith like this. Like, for example, I don't know. Let's say he's pursuing money. This is going to give me fulfillment. That's a that's a leap of faith. Like, you don't know that that's the case. And actually, evidence is to the contrary. Exactly. Or right. E equals MC squared, in fact, does do that. There's something handed over to you, and you just plug it into the, I don't know, equation. I don't know entire scientific terms. But my point is that sure. you take something for granted as you enter into the endeavor of scientific research. Which is not... This isn't a criticism of any of it. No, It's no, just no. something that, again, we all do this. It's not like the religious person... Uh, takes things dogmatically on faith and the non-religious person, if such a thing would exist, doesn't. So let me, can I, can I read you, uh, I want to read you a quote that I think can help us recognize really what we're saying here is that, um, namely that man is a, is a religious being in this sense mm-hmm. and that we all value things of which help organize to some extent our lives mm-hmm. and which we pay tribute to publicly to that thing, to, to those highest values. I think the catechism has a beautiful uh, paragraph here that helps bring this to light. Paragraph 28, actually, the, almost at the very beginning of the, the catechism. In many ways, we read, throughout history down to the present day, men have, been, men have given expression to their quest for God and their religious beliefs and behaviors and their prayers, sacrifices, rituals, meditations, and so forth. These forms of religious expression, despite the ambiguities they often bring with them, are so universal that one may well call man a religious being, mm-hmm. right? And so it's almost, it's wired into who we are as human creatures to do right. this thing. Yeah. Exactly. So I think if you want to have an even closer touch point for today, we have, you know, the idea that, um, here's, here's an example. So let's take this statement, right? The political process is a vital or even primary component of enacting societal change to overcome systemic evil and establish justice and equal rights to all. Okay? That's a, a, a good statement. Reasonable I think a lot statement. of people would get on board with that, mm-hmm. right? But what kind of a statement is it? It's not a scientific one. You can't prove it with a scientific method. Can't do that. I mean, it's and it's not, it's not data-driven, right? And... I think a lot of people who believe that currently would still believe it, even if the majority of people in, you know, in their community did not believe it. Mm-hmm. Right. They would still say, no, this is, this is true. This is something that's good. Right. So, I mean, that is in one sense, a religious statement because you're stating the supreme value of something, mm-hmm. justice and equality, and you're proposing a way of achieving union with it which is politics. And that's what religion is, right? So religion, um, the, the etymology of the word um, religare, uh, which means to bind oneself. Religion is simply the way that we bind ourselves to the thing that ultimately gives our, our life its meaning and that gives uh, our life its fundamental direction because this is the good uh, that I am most um, desiring to pursue. And our religion is going to be better or worse to the degree that that thing that we placed in the highest position is really or not really what is highest, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. So if we place something that should be lower on the totem pole 
as our God, if we make that our God and we organize around our life around worshiping that, placing that as the thing that has the highest worth, then our lives, it, it will develop a bit of a, a coherent religious structure to it, right? I'm thinking of- At least for a bit. I'm thinking of Michael Jordan. As we all do. As we, we all think as Michael Jordan. The religion, undisputed greatest of all time. I will entertain no opinions to the contrary. Please okay, go. I probably agree with that. We'll see how LeBron's career finishes up. However, however, the reason that Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time is because championships, NBA championships, became his god. In a sense. I mean, this mm-hmm. is just what I've gathered from my observation of Michael Jordan. He was obsessive. He worked so hard. He sacrificed so much. His life involved things like rituals. Like he would get up at the same time every day and do the same exercises and do his, his entire life was organized around this one goal. Right. And because of that, he ended up achieving great things in addition to his natural talent. But here's the Being thing about six, that. six goes a long way. I wouldn't know. <laughs> six, six, 45 inch vertical, all that stuff. It's yeah. like another morning. <laughs> Me, if I'm being honest yeah, with you. Obviously, first of all, get up. We all have look a cup up of coffee, brush my teeth. Then. Actually, first of all, I get up, brush my teeth, have my cup of coffee. Then I go have a 66 Interesting, interesting. Typical. But all that to say, championships, basketball, victory, success, all of that definitely gave Michael Jordan's life a coherent meaning and a coherent narrative through which to view all of his activity and the way that he engaged re- reality. But did you guys watch the, the last dance when it came out? A few oh years yeah, ago? I did. I did not. I'm sorry. I did. Um, well, was, that was, that was right in the height of the, yeah, during the shutdown. Pandemic. So it was a documentary about Michael Jordan's 97, 98 championship bulls team, the last team that he won a championship with. And he clear he produced it. And what I noticed about this documentary was that the, the shot that it always kept coming back to, to conclude the episodes was Michael Jordan sitting in a massive mansion by himself. Mm -hmm. So he had spent all that time and effort and energy worshiping this God of NBA championships, Mm -hmm. which gave him success, gave his life meaning. This was a religious endeavor. I would say by Michael, this was, you know, if every human being is a religious being, Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan's religiosity was expressing itself in his, in his vicious pursuit of this goal. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But because what he placed at the highest wasn't actually the highest because NBA championships is as not, great as they are, as great as they are, is not actually what we're made for. Right. Then even when he attained that goal, he was still left missing something. He was still left in a mansion by himself. And this the, that dynamic plays out in a uh, kind of a cutesy way. I mean, just about any you know, Christmas movie on the Hallmark channel that you see about, you know, the big business, you know, the big New York business guy who like by the end of the movie, he finds out like, Oh, like my family are the really, really the most important thing. In my and it life, took for them right? to leave for me to understand that. <laughs> right. The or, it took, was... or it took whatever, you know, being right. turned into, you know, Santa Claus or what, you know, whatever ridiculous yeah. thing happens. Um, yeah. That, and so that's, um, but that, but we can see that that's, that's what always happens is that there's, if we don't have, the right good, or if we're, if we're unable to align our actions according to the values that we hold, then there's something, maybe you'd want to call it like dysfunctional mm. yeah, about that's us. Yeah, a good point. Mm-hmm. Right? Or that we're, that we're not, we're not disor- well, disordered, yeah, in the, in a literal sense. Yeah. Um, but, the, but there's also, it has an effect on us. Right. And I think, so, so when we talk about, when we talk about values, like what do we, why do we desire anything? Right. Like if you play, if you ever have, um, younger nieces or nephews, like I've had, and they have, and they'll say, you know, uh, you hear their parents tell them, eat your broccoli. Why? 
because mm-hmm. you'll grow up big and strong. Why? Because it's got the nutrients in it that you need in order to, why? And then eventually it's just like, because I said so. And that's <laughs> you know usually how the game ends. But if you play that game with anything that we human beings desire, why do I want this? Why do I want the why? Eventually you're going to end up into one of three buckets because it's true, because it's good, or because it's beautiful. But the thing is, there's never that true or good or beautiful thing that totally satisfies our desire, right? I can remember, like, when I was a little kid growing up, uh, you know, in the mysterious pile of presents under the Christmas tree gets bigger and bigger, and my mm-hmm. anticipation gets bigger and bigger, and finally, you know, December 17th, 18th, 19th, it's taking forever. Finally, wake up at like 4 o'clock Christmas morning to go jump on my parents' bed. No presents before 6 a.m., all right? So I go back to my bed and I wait. <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, you know, a little kid, you know, 16 years old. And so finally I can go out and go out to the Christmas tree and I pull out this and here's this, like, I was way, like way into like, um, power Rangers when I was little and stuff like that. That changed last year because goose chewed them all up. I'm that's sorry true. about that. Yeah, you told me unfortunately. about that. Yeah. It cost me a fortune in what I could have made on eBay, but that's, you know, that's okay. beside the point. Goose now is- we collect Pokemon cards. Show the crowd. No, that's okay. No, Not today. Show the crowd. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> It's just a bookmark anyway. It's just a bookmark. It's just a bookmark. It's a Pokemon card. In the shape of Tyrannitar. show you. There we go. Take um, that, Logan Paul. <laughs> well, his, yeah, except his Pokemon card's worth like $4 million. But also, I heard it was fake. Talking about, really? I heard it was fake. Ah. Uh, no I think way. he made a video about it. And he That's, like, that doesn't, that would not surprise me, actually. Not. I mean, talk about disordering your goods. Anyway, <laughs> so you open up the presents, and I'm like, man, this is fantastic. But then it's like, okay, but that's great. But now I want to open the next one, right? And it's it's not really about enjoying the good of what I had. It was more about the sensation of getting the good thing, right? Yeah. There's there's like it's not it wasn't the good of the of the thing in itself, just the way I enjoyed the thing, yeah. which is very instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mean we could go down a whole other rabbit hole talking about this, but in a sense, it's kind of like pornographic, right? using thing as an instrument as opposed to as opposed to honoring the value it has yeah, intrinsically in yeah. itself, right? And so now it's just the addiction of that rush. I want the rush of opening the next present, opening the next present. And within two days, they're just another set of, you know, just these things that I had longed for for weeks now are just another set of things yeah. lying in a pile and, and with you, the rest of my toys. And they're no different from the rest of them. Right? You also so, didn't grow in love for your parents probably as much. I mean, you probably enjoyed and wanted to be all around them for the moments until they allowed you to open the gifts. And maybe you were happy for, let's say, a week, two weeks, a month even right. with the toys. But then after a while, you've now gone to uh, Well, I habits. no, I'll, I'll confess to you guys and to you know both of your listeners that um, <laughs> we my parents- We <laughs> because that's the way God intended. <laughs> nice, good. Um, that, no, there was, there was one year when I opened something that I really wanted and I don't know how old I was, maybe six or seven, somewhere in there, maybe eight. I don't know. And I run over to my mom and I give her a big hug and I'm like, I love you guys more every year. I said that. And then I immediately I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. I don't love my parents because they give me gifts. Mm. That's not the way this should work. And like, like I, I remember that very vividly. Um, but the, the, the point is that it's like I desired these things that were good and fun, but the intensity with which I desired them was not matched by the intensity of the joy I had when I had them. The only thing that's going to match that when we're talking about what we desire and the me and, you know, finding value, finding meaning is not possessing the most true thing or the most 
good thing or the most beautiful thing. You can always imagine something more true, more good, more beautiful than whatever it is, right? There's a beautiful sunset, but I've, you know, you can imagine a more beautiful one. It's truth and goodness and beauty itself, which is God. And that's where, Joey, what you were talking about with Michael Jordan, like anytime that we aim our religious tendency at something that's, that it's not me. And the other thing we can ask ourselves, I think that point is sufficiently made. Where would that come from? If it wasn't oriented towards something that would satisfy it, we get hungry and we eat and there's a certain point where we're full, right? But why would I desire true, good or beautiful? Why would I desire good things or meaning or any of that? If there wasn't something that actually would be commensurate with that desire. Satisfy those. Yeah. Evolution wouldn't give me that desire. There would be no evolutionary benefit to desiring meaning and beauty and goodness itself. Yeah. And and I think an important kind of historical note to consider as we're talking about this, that for the vast majority of of history, at least as as of the last 2000 years, there was an influence of the Christian religion that helped guide this religious sense. Yes. This Mm -hmm. religious sense, this instinct towards that, which is highest, um, and, you know, Friedrich Nietzsche points out in his philosophy, one of the things that I think stands out from him particularly, that I think he, proper observation, namely that God is dead and we had killed him, mm-hmm. right? In other words, God has been removed from Western civilization as a majority. Mm-hmm. And so now this religious tendency that was shaped largely by the Christian faith is being replaced. It's not as if the religious instinct or religion itself is being destroyed. No, man is still a religious being, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. But this, the Christian view that was largely influential. So obviously we had the pagans, uh, we had the Jews, Romans, uh, before that we had the Egyptian cults and, uh, but, but the Christian view for over the last 2000 years was, was deeply influential in in this, in this religious guiding principle. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's no longer the case. I think largely that's no longer the case. Now it still exists. A lot of people are still Christians. Um, a lot of, People profess different faiths of the Christian path, but it's no longer, I don't think, the predominant stance. And as you were mentioning earlier, therefore, our religious vision is at least blurred. One of the points we, you know, we wanted to draw out, which I think we've sufficiently said, is that, you know, man, whoever you are, you are a religious being, right? Your nature is to be religious, your nature is to pursue what is highest. Your religion is going to be best and fulfill you the most if you actually placed what is highest at the top of your value system, namely God. Right. But if you don't, as so many of our contemporaries do not, you don't cease to be religious, right? right. You continue to be religious. You just, your religion is practiced in a different way. Exactly. And um, we thought that it would be interesting, inspired by this, one of those books that we've all been reading together to kind of talk about a couple of the aspects or characteristics of kind of contemporary religion as we see it, right? Because we want to just help people to see that even if you're not Christian, even if you think you're explicitly rejecting religion, there is a religious tendency within you mm-hmm. that is leading you to behave in religious ways, even if that doesn't mean you're on your knees in a church, right? Mm-hmm. So, Father, could you help us identify kind of some of the ways you see this religious sense in man, this religious nature of man playing itself out in our contemporary world, even outside of the context of the walls of the church. Yeah. I think one of the, one of the most clear touch points that you have is the absolute fanaticism that people have over the political process. Yeah. 
you know, the, 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 no matter what political party you're a part of, the president is your priest king, the one who is going to con- you know, vanquish your foes, establish lasting justice and peace according to your conception of what that should uh, look like. And um, each political cycle becomes more frenzied, more vicious, more schizophrenic. Cosmic, well, schizophrenic, but like cosmically important, yeah. right? Oh my gosh, whoever wins this year, I mean, this is going to set the whole direction for the country or whatever, you know, all this like... And, and, and people of any religious stripe can feel this way. And this is why, this is why I think it's important for us to, first of all, to do what you're asking, Joey, to identify some of the, some of the touch points of um, what we might call the modern kind of secular religion, we'll mm-hmm. call it that, mm-hmm. uh, is because um, from a Christian standpoint, we, we are not concerned with, uh, you know, as they used to say, this will also date me, poning the libs or scoring points <laughs> against our, yeah, uh, oh my I gosh, well, this was like 10 years ago yeah, at dude, least, it's, it's right? Okay. Like, yeah. Sorry, uh, hey, listeners, I'm sorry about that. Did we, back we'll, in my we'll, day. We'll bleep that out. Yeah, we'll yeah. bleep it out. Put yeah. the quack sound but, over yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not interested in scoring points or, or being victorious or proving people wrong and, and um, celebrating their their error or their, you know, their defeat. Paul very clearly tells us um, in one of his letters, I don't know which one, I'm not, I'm Catholic, I don't know the Bible. He says, um, I hate how often we see that joke because it's true. (laughs) Because it's it's funny because it's true. Uh, But he says our, our, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the forces of darkness. Right. And so, um, but what we, what we do need to be very clear about is you mentioned Israel. We met, we mentioned Israel a little bit ago. It's Ephesians, by the way. It is a fee. Okay, there you go. I'm going to write that down. I should have had confidence. I thought I was that. I thought it was Ephesians, but I, I googled it. Well, you. Sure. Oh my gosh, you could. You could have just. You didn't have to tell us that you googled it. I, mean, I know. We were the I only just, ones in who would have. Spirit of transparency. That's fair. Um, that's very, very genuine of you. That you. is. It it's, is Lent. It's, it's Lent. It is, <laughs> it is Lent. We 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 did fasting, almsgiving, prayer. Um, Israel is freed from Egypt, but it's very interesting that they make a god in the form of gods that were worshiped in Egypt. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, so that's there's a huge point. Yeah. So there's a there's a there's this tendency in us that and this is this is speaking again more from the the, the Catholic perspective um that God frees us from idolatry and he frees us for um proper worship of that which is truly the highest. But even while that attitude dominates for 2000 years like you were mentioning Max, that doesn't mean that everybody's really good at putting Correct. God first all the time. No. I'm really bad at putting God first all mm-hmm. the time, which is why we need this penitential season to mm-hmm. remind ourselves. Joe's especially bad at it. It's terrible. It, it, the worst. So the Israelites, God gets the Israelites out of Egypt, but he needs to get Egypt out of the Israelites. He needs to purify them mm-hmm. of those things that had seeped into their consciousness from their surroundings. Mm-hmm. And this is the need for ongoing purification and conversion that we all have, uh, any Christian has, um, from the, 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 the greatest to the least, um, is to identify <clears throat> some of these tendencies. So when, for example, modern secular religion, getting back to the original question that yeah. you asked like 10 minutes no, ago, but this Joey, is good. I'm sorry. No, it's really good. It's really good. Um, First of all, evil is not conceived as primarily interior, but exterior. 
This the, is a this is a dogma. Sought, this is a dogma. Religion. This is a dogma of, and again, it's you know. So you you talk about you know, you Catholics, you Christians, just blindly believe things. Well, we all do because that's what human beings kind of do. The primary problem with the world is fill in the blank, racism, um, capitalism, whatever. All Patriarchy. of these it could be anything. Um, the Democrats, right? Any of these things could right. be. Right, and the, so that so that's why it, it it cuts across all political spectra. Um, any liberals, any, traditionalists, conservatives, conservatives anybody, whatever, whatever, whatever yeah. unhelpful labels you want to put on people, this affects you. Rel- evil is something external, and if it's external, then I. I experience salvation, which is another question of religion. Where mm-hmm. can I be saved? How can I find fulfillment? The the rich young man approaches Jesus, teacher, what must I do to be saved? That's the fundamental question that we that we all carry around with us. That salvation will come by either being by coming out from under the regime of whatever oppressive evil is out there, or by that evil being destroyed. Yes. Those are the two options, right? But- which means that it's a primarily external battle that needs to be fought, not an interior one. Christians, we understand original sin. We under, I understand that the, the, my primary opponent, the only thing that can keep me out of heaven is me and my refusal to put God in the place that he deserves. Hmm. Whatever happens to me in my life, and this is why we celebrate the blood of the martyrs, because they were willing to sacrifice their own lives Rather than say, we will not serve, right? So, so that's one of the fundamental aspects of so, this of this modern religion. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, can please. I just uh, repeat back to you to make sure I'm I'm tracking what you're saying? This modern secular religion, one of the things that characterizes it is an obsession with politics. We place often our politicians in the spot that God ought to be. I would say that's more that's more of a symptom. That's not like a root cause, but okay. it's a it's a very it's a very powerful fruit of it. Yeah. So we see politics as salvific. Exactly. That's part of the problem. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, the second aspect, or maybe the, the first primary aspect you mentioned was, so modern secular religion, like Christianity, recognizes that there's evil in the world that needs to be overcome. Yes. Christians, we say that evil is primarily within ourselves and the way to... the way to. Well, it's both. There, it's There is both. the external evil, the power of sin and death. Okay, that good. is, you know, the, the devil that prowls around. But there's... So there is evil out there, but there's also evil in us. And we are powerless to overcome all of it. Whereas a secular religion would say the evil is only out there. Right. In that Therefore, system, in that party, in that whatever. Yes, thank you. I, you reminded me of my original really fundamental point, which is that we can save ourselves. Yeah. Human what, beings yeah. are the source of um, salvation, this new world order that's supposed to come about or whatever you want to call it. We are the ones who can actually establish and create this perfectly just system. We can attain union with that which we truly most deeply desire by our own effort alone. Christianity understands that very differently. We can't do that. We needed a savior. But now that he has come, we are now freed to pursue those things that we deeply desire. Yeah. So this is a dogma of the modern secular religion that people who even think they're not religious probably hold. I mean, this is generalization, but it's very likely that people might hold this, that we can, that there's evil out there in the world. The problem's not with me. The problem's somewhere in the world Mm -hmm. and that we can transform the world by breaking free of these oppressive structures or by destroying them. Right. And uh, we do it ourselves. It's nothing we receive. By some sort of 
specialized knowledge or some some kind of a silver bullet, some right? new technology, or, or whatever, or whatever it is. But also a destructive attitude, right? The, the way the way, yeah. the way we construct something is by destroying what came before us. Mm-hmm. And I'm also thinking, sorry, just a little detraction here. Detraction—that's not the word. Digression. Digression. I keep doing that. Digression. Okay. Uh, English what, is hard. <laughs> what does Moses say to Pharaoh? Let my people go. Right. Here's the thing. God doesn't let his people go by just freeing them out of Egypt or the Egyptian rule. Mm -hmm. God frees his people, if you will, by teaching them how to worship God properly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and we have this tendency, let, let us go. Mm -hmm. I want to be free. I want to be saved. I want to, and that in this case, oftentimes in secular religion, I want to save myself. Right. But here we're saying, no, letting your people go. Letting us go, the only way we're let go is by entering into union with God, right. right? Which is why I think the point, Father, you made about Egypt, you know, taking the people out of Egypt, but needing to get Egypt out of the people, mm-hmm. right? This is this is why it's important for us here to have this conversation too. Like you said at the beginning of this episode, we're not just trying to point fingers at the people who practice this modern secular no, religion. This is like, oh, you're right. bad. Absolutely. We're trying to recognize the Egypt that we are subject to being influenced by, right? Absolutely. Because there are Christians who theoretically should have what's highest as the highest place. They should be worshiping God. But because we live in Egypt... We are subject to be influenced by these things like, okay, I don't actually think I need a savior. I think I can save myself by addressing all these unjust, you know, oppressive structures. Or I think, or maybe I am getting obsessive over politics and I think this politician is going to save me. Like Christians are subject to these tendencies. Right. Absolutely. That I think the evil one tries to incite within us. Well, and thinking about the, the, like the, the themes of religion, sin, Expiation, salvation, revelation, tradition, values, virtues, ethics, liturgy, those who are saved, those who are not saved, yeah. you know, clean and unclean, sheep and goats. All religions right? have All, stuff like this. You, well, you, you can go to Ohio Stadium on a fall Saturday morning <laughs> and see all of those themes play out right in front of you, right? By people who don't go to church the next day and by people who do. Yeah. The saved ones are wearing scarlet. The damned are wearing maize and blue, mm-hmm. right? This tendency is so, you know, the, these, one of the, one of the things this book that you mentioned uh, talks about is the fact that we should talk about the book. The re, it's called the religion of the day and it's by the university of Mary. It's really good. You should buy it and read it. We'll put it down sequel, a link below. Yeah. It's a sequel to uh, their, the, the book uh, from Christendom to apostolic mission, which came out a few years ago. And a lot of people were really, um, really influenced by it. I think it is a, it is a, a tremendous little, uh, Short little read, but very, uh, very clear, uh, very impactful. So one of the things in this book that you mentioned in the religion of the day is that a lot of the the principles and the the sort of dogmas, I guess you would want to call them, um, which I think is, uh, I think that's appropriate, of the modern secular religion cannot exist in a vacuum. In a sense, they cannot stand on their own. They have, they, they, they actually leech from Christianity. Yes. Because it is a it it starts out as a prideful form of Christianity, right? That then devolves into well we don't actually need God, which is the essential temptation of Adam and Eve from the very beginning, Correct. right? He is not our God, we don't need him. We can reach out and take possession of things for and take mastery of things for ourselves. So <clears throat> which is why Christians especially need to be aware of these things because we need to militate against this tendency in ourselves. In our own hearts. Right. The world isn't going to believe these things if Christianity doesn't allow them to foment and fester 
mm. and and to uh, become a you know become a parasite in our own in our own psyches. So these tendencies of we can save ourselves, we we don't you know it it comes from a deterioration of the properly Christian life and imagination, 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 imagination. I just made a new word. I think an important, as we're walking down these steps here, so some of the kind of aspects of, of the secular religion of the religion of today, again, not taking religiosity completely away, but replacing Christianity with this new type of religion is one that we can save ourselves. Yep. Right. Uh, two, as you're saying, kind of this denial that God is the one who saves, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of a twofold in this one principle. Uh, and I think one of the one of the important aspects of this that I wanted to talk about particularly is that this denial that God saves is also a denial which Joey and I have talked a lot about, and we talked particularly on our leisure episode, namely the, the fact that creation is something that is given. Mm-hmm. Our, our existence is something that is given. When we deny the fact that God is not the creator, when God does not save, we also forget a fundamental aspect about who we are mm-hmm. and our orientation towards, well, towards just our relationship with others, right? And I'm thinking here, like, for example, if we forget that life comes from God, then we begin to justify things like abortion, mm-hmm. right? As, as, a, as, a, as a predominant issue of today. Right, we we begin to think. Well, we can research, all or we people. start to rebel against the structure of the human body. Yeah, correct. Right, or we 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 objectify people. Mm-hmm. We justify the mass production and consumption of pornography. Right, right. Because why? Because we've we've forgotten that our dignity is not ours to create. Our existence itself is not ours to create. It comes forth from the other. We would right. say, yeah, absolutely. And I think one one really important side effect that you see of that. Is which I don't know. Maybe this is not necessarily on the topic of religiosity, but it does play to what we were talking about earlier. With the you know, are you orienting yourself towards a proper good mm-hmm. or an improper one, or is it the right one at the right time? Mm-hmm. I see a lot of young people who do not believe that they are good in the sense that they are gift. Right, that their existence has been given to them. Um, I saw, well, I don't know how long ago it was, and things kind of blur together when you're as old as I am. Uh, but uh, are you guys still here? Um, a few years ago, I saw a story about a kid who sued his own parents because he didn't ask to be born. Oh. And that's and did, it's, he, did he win that case? I have no idea. Dude, I, I might do that I, with look, my parents just to get money. You. That's Although totally in keeping money. with who you are and everything that I know about you. But you can go. So you can go ahead and pursue that hey, if you hey, want. Hey, hey, but, hey. That was a little mean, like a little bit. <laughs> oh, that was, I'm sorry. That was a line. That was, that was, the line. that was a All line. Right. Dude. All right. That was the line. Um, I don't, I don't know. Cause I, I try to stay in like a good mood most of the time. So I don't know exactly what, uh, the outcome of that was. Uh, so, and again, I would, if I can just, I was, I should have done at the beginning, like an over under on soap boxes. I think mm-hmm. three and a half would have been a really good one for me personally You're here on, a, on a money box, line. So, so well, that's true. So yeah. I guess maybe it's just like one really long Extended one. Extended soap box. Um, any any faithful Christians uh, who are listening out there, um, watch how much time you spend reading the hair on fire news on social media, on whatever. Um, it's spiritual junk food. It doesn't satisfy. It is addictive. Yep. Um, and there are all kinds of economic factors out there that, 
you know, a, a, websites want you to read their stuff and their clickbait is um, intentionally incendiary because that's what, because it is literally addicting. Yep. It's our, so please, please read it's some scripture. Of, it's a part of you know? Egypt. You yeah, know? it is a part of Egypt. Read scripture, you know, read something that's actually going to go for a walk, do something that's actually going to nourish you. So the kid, the kid who sued his own parents. Um, when I come from a foundation of the giftedness of my existence. And what is a gift? A gift is something that is given, that is of benefit to the person, that is freely given, not because they have earned it, because the person who gives it wants them to have something that's good as an expression of their love. If my conceptualization of my entire existence is based on that, that there is a God who loves me, who made me, who, who destined me for eternal glory with him, and who puts me into this world to basically prepare myself for that by the help of his grace and to show forth his glory in a way that nobody else can. Like that gives me such a beautiful meaning and narrative to my life. But if my conceptualization is, and it's, and it's reinforced by my, you know, my home life growing up or whatever, that there's no real point. Um, there's all of these, you know, you're born and you, go to school, which sucks. And then you have college debt and you can't afford a house. So you rent an apartment for $2,000 a month for the rest of your life. And you have to listen to the music of Justin Bieber. And then you die. Like none of that is good. And eventually, mm-hmm. and, and that not seeing the giftedness of your, of your existence leaves you in this sort of this existential despair. Mm-hmm. And it's totally understandable that so many uh, of the younger set, especially depression, anxiety, um, what what do they call them? Um, deaths of despair, mm-hmm. you know, uh, due suicide, to overdose, overdose or suicide or yeah. things like that. Like, um, I guess I should have said trigger warning there. Sorry about that, but yeah. um, you know, there, and it's not it's not simply who was it the opiate for the masses? Religion is Karl Marx quoted Feuerbach. Okay, all right. I'll take your word on it because you guys are still in school and I'm just a dumb priest. But that's um, not true. He's a smart priest. Yeah. I'm okay. Um, I don't know things. I'm just a really good guesser. You know, that's what it, that's what it really comes down to. Um, it's not simply a matter of trying to make life more tolerable. Yeah. It's not just, we believe this because that makes us feel better. Right. There's that's, in fact, that's one of the deficiencies of Christianity, especially since I would say maybe the fifties or sixties, maybe a little earlier than that, but especially around then you have the rise of what they call moralistic therapeutic deism where Christianity is primarily conceived of in terms of, well, this life sucks, but this helped, but I know that God loves me and he wants me to be happy. And so you believe in God, you kind of like, you know, you know that there's something about heaven or whatever, but you know that good people go to heaven. And, uh, mostly it's a way of, of trying to help us cope with, um, you know, the contingencies of our own existence. Yeah, it's basically psychotherapy. <clears throat> right. right. Which is, which is not no. what Christianity is yeah. it, at all. It's, it's sort of a Christianity light, but it's out of that um, deficiency where you start to get these further mm. uh, permutations that get further and further from the truth. I wanted to mention, talk about this, this idea that if, if you don't recognize the inherent goodness that you possess, right, that can be, a, that can cause a lot of things that happen within you, but also in the way that you engage with others mm-hmm. because you start to see yourself as someone needing to constantly <clears throat> self-destruct constantly. You don't see your goodness. So you don't even, 
you're not even capable of knowing how to protect, we would say, your own nobility as a child of God. Oh, right. Right. So, so there's this inner competition that's that you constantly seek to mm-hmm. oppress in some way, but also you see others as needing to be in competition with because they don't have goodness either. Well, right? well yeah, either they're an obstacle to you getting what you want or they're an instrument you can use exactly. to get what you want. Right. And there's there's a there's a lack of reverence towards the inherent goodness that we each possess. Um, <clears throat> and so which is another you know another aspect of that of that uh, secular religion is that um, you have those who have the right knowledge and have the right viewpoints and the right perspectives. Yeah. And so those are those are the sheep, right? Those are the people who are on the right side of history. Yep. And then if there's anybody who's kind of clinging to the old way or the old uh, worldview or the old regime or the old oppressive system, they become barriers, obstacles to true progress. Mm-hmm. Therefore, they are evil who need to be destroyed. They're expendable. Right. And, the, and, and their sacrifice is possibly necessary to bring about the establishment of this new salvific system, which is perfectly, and that, and you see that played out so much in history. Um, I'm not super prepared to talk about a lot of examples, but the French Revolution is a prime example of mm-hmm. that. Um, the Bolshevik Revolution is another one. There are so many, the, the Nazi regime, like there are so many things that are like, well, everything would be okay if it weren't for those people. Yep. So if those people are gone, everything's going to be fine. So and let's that hang never happen. And so let's, and, and that never works. Things are always worse after that revolution happens. So then that, <clears throat> the motivating factor in all of this is anger. I'm angry about these, these oppressive systems. I'm angry, which is based in pride. It mm-hmm. should not be this way because human beings do not deserve to experience this. So I'm angry about it. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to destroy it. But anger has to be constantly fed by something. Anger has to constantly be given fuel. If it's not this group, okay, then it's that group. If it's not that group, then it's this thing. And it has to keep looking for the next thing. Which is, by the way, this is like a mile a minute, but that's a real problem with cancel culture. It's not regulation of speech. It's that we're constantly looking for something to direct our anger towards. Mm. And it's the same sensation as opening one present after another. And that becomes the highest value. And that becomes the highest value. But from the Christian perspective, the motivating factor of what we would do, because we would work for the same things, right? Alleviation of suffering, establishing of justice, like all these things. Reduction of oppression. Reduction of oppression, absolutely. Freedom, uh, the dignity of the human person. But it's all based not on anger at the suffering, but love of the person who is suffering. And that love is self-perpetuating. But as long as, as a Christian, I get caught up in the frenzy of, well, those are the people that have to be, if it weren't for those people and those guys who voted differently from me, things would be so much better. Then that's distracting me from them. And I'm not actually ordering my goods properly. And therefore, I'm actually... Even though I, I might still be going to church every Sunday, as a matter of fact, I might be working more with those people that I disagree with than against them. And all of those assertions about those people are the problem, I'm angry at those people, we need to eliminate those people, whether it's a Christian making them or a non-Christian making them, whether it's a Christian making them or an atheist making them, those are all religious assertions. Yes. Correct? Because they're all based upon a value that I've placed at the top of my hierarchy of value that I'm trying to pursue. Excellent point. And the, the, what characterizes Christianity when it's lived authentically is that 
it's lived from the position of receptivity. Like you were talking about Max, it's lived from the position of I've received this goodness. It's not in competition with others. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to, it's not a zero sum game. It's not a zero sum game. And I'm not trying to overthrow these oppressive structures that are weighing down on me. I have received love and I'm going to give love. Right. The modern secular religion begins from the standpoint of pride. Mm hmm which is why Christians are really tempted to get drawn into it because pride is the fundamental temptation, right? For every human person. For every human person. But it's this position of, I'm not, I'm not a gift. I didn't receive myself. I am, I am God. I get to choose. I get, I get to decide. I see evil out there in the world. I see the goods that I want to pursue, and I'm going to do what I need to do, oftentimes with anger, oftentimes right. with vengeance, in order to bring that about. And, and it almost always ends up in, I get to decide who are sheep and who are goats. Yeah. Who gets to be saved and who gets thrown into the fire? Hmm. Whether it's an infant in the womb, whether it's people of a certain race, whether it's people whatever of a certain it class. is, people of a certain As, class. One of the things that comes to mind: people is, who are old and no longer contributing members of society, oh gosh, people yeah. who are not in line with my ideological tendencies of one extreme or another. Right. We should push them out. We should fire them. We should get rid of them. We should you know, destroy their livelihood so as to not be able to climb the ladder of authority or influence. Whichever Scandinavian country it was that a few years ago claimed that we we've cured down Down syndrome. syndrome. Well, no, you just killed all the children who had it. Yep. It's why people who are super passionate about tolerance and acceptance are the least tolerant people of people who disagree with them. Yeah. Right. It's this whole, it's this religious dynamic within man that we can't escape. But again, that's not, that doesn't mean that Christians are incapable of, of that same issue. Right. 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 And We're so not this, immune. so, um, so I think what we, one of the things that we see in this, in all this discussion is that to deny the religiosity of man, that, that, uh, um, pushing that down or repressing that tendency means it will come out in almost like a zombie, mm-hmm. right? Like in, in perverted and mutated and inhuman ways if that religious capacity is denied uh, its proper expression then it will rear its ugly head in all kinds of incredibly destructive ways which is why we would posit uh, set forth encourage our listeners to consider that given the fact that you are religious even if you think you're not you as the type of thing that you are, are going to flourish if in fact you put what is highest at the top of your hierarchy of values. And as father mentioned earlier, that's not just a good thing that you like. That's not just a true thing that you're convinced of. That's not just a beautiful thing that you're attracted to. It is truth and goodness and beauty itself, which is God. Exactly. We have two choices, organized religion or disorganized religion. One of them salvific and one of them is not. Because one of them depends on a God who can save and myself who is incapable and incompetent to save myself. Mm. This is why, you know, one of my favorite lines of scripture, when Jesus Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Mm. it's demanding, but it's also empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because now we know who is the one who we're made for. Right. Right. And, and really the biblical narrative, mm-hmm. salvation history points to him. Mm-hmm. Creation in fact points to him. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're imprinted and we're stamped with, we would say the logos 
we have the capacity to meet him, to encounter him, to know him, and to be saved by him. Mm. And we, unlike Goose, with all due respect, or I shouldn't have brought a dog into example, but I did, <laughs> have the capacity. <laughs> Poor Goose, just how, catching strays out here all have day. Have the capacity to Poor be kid. saved. Mm. Yeah. And uh, Jesus Christ is, I hate to put it this bluntly, but is the answer right to that religious yeah. instinct. The, the Catholic Mass, we call it the Eucharist, which means to give thanks. Mm. We can't save ourselves, and we thank God every day that we don't have to. Mm. Well, I just had fun with that conversation. I learned a lot of stuff. So did I. And we could keep talking about this all day. And we, we might, could. after we turn the cameras off, we'll probably keep talking <laughs> for the next three yes. to six days. We want to thank Father Kyle Tennant for taking time out of his pastoral schedule to come and yeah. do this with us for all two of our listeners. Yes, that's right. Three, as we <laughs> established, right. but whatever. Well, and I'll play it for Goose later, so that'll be four. <laughs> so, good. And Father... Uh, we really appreciate you coming. Appreciate yeah. you coming on. Any closing thoughts? For uh, I our just listeners? I, I, um, thank you very much for for having me on. I really appreciate your um, spending time for it with uh, deep thoughts with Father Tenet, or alternatively titled uh, arguments. I have won in the shower. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a great. That's a great. Like we should have those snippets like just for you. Like we just like we're right. shot, like we have a camera pointed out. You're like arguing, just like yelling at yourself just, in the shower. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. These are you know I'm I'm undefeated. You know? <laughs> I've never lost to myself. I've never dude. lost to myself. Um, that's not true. I definitely. Have. <laughs> Dang it! I lost um, again. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I think one of the just one. I don't know. I don't know what the like the the kind of the, the the cherry on top or the big bow on top of it all is, but I do think that just in my own experience, like the more that we we dive into these things and we wrestle with these significant questions, and the more that I see how at every level and in every ter- turn I take, um, Jesus Christ and His Church are there um, sustaining me, holding me up, uh, pointing me in the right way, uh, correcting me when I when I go in the wrong way. Um, People always think that, oh, that's so restrictive. Oh, you know, it's the most freeing thing to to be in contact with the God who not only spoke galaxies into existence, but spoke my name into existence mm-hmm. um, and invited me to be to share in the priesthood of his son uh, so that I can somehow be a part of his whole cosmic project of salvation, of bringing uh, souls to heaven. Um to quote another famous internet priest, as if I already am one, man, oh man, what a gift. Thanks be to God that he gives us a community of people to be able to do so, right? Mm-hmm. As one of the particular characteristics of the Christian religion is precisely our community. And so thank you, Father Joey, for being that community for me personally. Mm-hmm. But people, or to our listeners out there, I recommend that you find a community that's properly religious, that helps you enter and guide and even heal you uh from inappropriate religious practice into something holistic as father says something salvific and thanks be to god for that so guys that's all we have on today's episode of logos podcast thank you for tuning in and as always god bless